Hey everyone, it's Megan Trainer for Profile by Sanford. We're all working hard to balance our lives these days, and sometimes the toughest part is being the me I want to be. Profile's one-on-one coaching and customized nutrition plans will help you stay on track. Balancing a healthy lifestyle, losing weight, and understanding nutrition isn't easy, but Profile makes it simple. Now you can try four weeks of Profile for only $49. Find your plan at ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. Hi, this is Allie Wentworth, host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. You told me you chased him with a butcher knife (laughs) and tried to cut off his penis, but that's his version and everybody has a different Everybody has two two sides of every story. Exactly. All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the past 20 years, I've been immersed in the world of true crime and have confronted serial killers face to face. My name is M. William Phelps, host of the hit podcast, Paper Ghosts. Now my new show, Crossing the Line. Get ready for the uncensored truth, interviews with top experts, and stories of the missing and murdered you have not heard anywhere else. I mean, he was the master manipulator of coercive control. It turns out that the dead guy worked out at the same gym. Listen to Crossing the Line with M. William Phelps on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. A white label, like e- even if you just sit down and listen to it, I'm, not, I'm still not even sure like what's on it all the time. I mean, it's like. Um, it's a it's a grab bag, and there's you know there's there's technical reasons for that, and there are re, you know uh, we, we can go all day about white labels, but uh, um, maybe if you just uh, oh hey hi uh, welcome to our record store. I'm Seth. Uh, uh, this is where Tara would normally be, but she's uh, having a fun little summer vacation right now. So uh, feel free to look around and uh, just give me a shout if you need anything. Uh, I'm on this phone call right now, but I am wrapping it up. Um, we have many white labels, but they are hard to sort through. I recommend you come in and try them out on the player yourself so you know what you're getting. I guess that's the best I can do. I, I don't know. I, I, I gotta go now. Here, uh, Mike Johns just showed up. Oh, hey, what's up, Seth? Hey, Mike. Uh, man, uh, the white label. So this guy was just calling and asking about <laughs> white labels. Do, do you have any white labels in your collection? There's, oh man, I know that my, um... I know I've got at least one like sort of uh, Beatles white label from like it, it's like a bootleg of I think Cavern Club, but Ooh, who knows? Right? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Like it, like it's an an early early set. Um, I don't know who's playing on it. I don't know if Pete Best is still on it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like it, it's it's very like you know early early like still playing a lot of covers i don't i don't even know if i don't remember if like please please me is even on it yet so. right um yeah there was still just some garage rock band from liverpool exactly no i i have this one that um uh, this was back when i was in college um i was doing some sort of like art project at this gallery thing and um this guy i knew who was an artist uh, he had a stack of white labels just sitting next to him while I was talking to him. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, hey, what are those? And he was like, oh, ho, ho. and he just hands it to me. I'm like, I repeat, what are those? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm like, 
all right. <laughs> so I, I still have this one. I, I have a few white labels in my collection, but I still have this one that I have literally no idea what it is. Oh, and if anyone in the record store overhearing us doesn't know what we're talking about, a white label record, it's it's particularly um, prominent in the world of like remixes and dance clubs and stuff like that, because um, if you don't clear a sample and you don't want to get in trouble for it, you don't put any information on the packaging. No no label, no artist, no nothing. So that way, if you do get caught by any kind of authority, there's no one to sue because there's no information on it. And um, they're fun. It's, it's, it's a fun little world. And it, you can often get these like alternate versions of a lot of awesome things. And you know what? This is inspiring me. I, I, I think we should do our top five alternate versions of songs of the High Fidelity uh, game, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm going to kick this off with my, my number five, which is my favorite white label. Perhaps one of my oh. favorite records in my collection. I'm, I'm just very, yeah, I'm very proud that I have this. Um, let's hear it. Number five. The year is 2006. Mm-hmm. This is the Purple Bottle, the Stevie Wonder version by Animal Collective. Huh. Have you ever heard this before? I have never heard this before. So here's the story. Uh, back in the days, this would have been feels. So around uh, 2006-ish, 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. yep. there's an amazing song on that album called The Purple Bottle. And the original version in the middle, there's this little breakdown where um, A.V. Tear does this kind of interpolation of I just called to say I love you. And so he goes into this thing. So he's like, he's like, I just called to say I like you. And he's like, you know, doing it like all the animal collective yowling yep. and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and it's almost parody. Like, like, like there are no direct lyrical quotes Mm-hmm. But it is definitely the melody, and it's definitely the idea of the song. Um, mm-hmm. I just called to say I love you. So when, when you know, um, at first they weren't too concerned about this, but then when they actually went to like Stevie Wonder's lawyers and were just like, "Hey, by the way, we have this little interpolation thing here, just making sure we're cool," you know, and Stevie Wonder's <laughs> lawyers were like we can't tell if you're making fun of Stevie. And they're like, no, 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 we're not making fun of Stevie. We we love this. This is good. And then they were like, no, uh, nah, sorry, we're, we're, we're going to have to pass. So, so now the uh, real version of the, but, and I guess by real, I mean the album version, mm-hmm. the album version of this song now just has this made up new melody and different. It's, it's completely different. And That's so weird. if you started hearing the original version on tour, cause animal collective, especially in the old days was one of those bands where if you saw them on tour, they were playing music from their next album. They've, they, Oh, that's yeah, yeah. That's so that, that's so weird. I love it when bands do that. It is also like, you've got to be a really dedicated fan right. to like show up at these shows and not know anything that's going to happen. <laughs> yes, for, for sure. And um, so, so, so I remember, so that would have been on the Sung Tongs tour when they were p- playing around, they were playing this version of Purple Bottle with this Stevie Wonder interpolation in the middle. And um, so anyway, so at first they were like, um, okay, maybe we should just call it parody that we can get away with it. But they were like, we can't get sued by Stevie Wonder. Just forget it. So they, yeah, so they wrote this new version. It became the album version. But they still had this original recording, perfect, ready to go. And in my opinion, a better version of the song. 
And so they were like, fuck it, white label. So, so they released mm-hmm. 500 copies of this seven inch record. On the oh, wow. A side is um, this infamous Stevie Wonder version of Purple Bottle. And on the B side, they're covering Polly by Nirvana. And uh, huh. so that's pretty cool too. And um, I, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, my local record store in Portland, the guy that worked behind the counter was in the band Bar. Uh, a band that often worked with Animal Collective, and he ran their merch table when they were on tour. And uh. so, so coincidentally, this guy that's just my local record store guy, um, he was like, oh, hey, we got some of those uh, those Animal Collective white labels in. I'm like, oh, fantastic. And, and that that's it. Like, it's, it's just, I happen to be in the right place at the right time. I'm, I'm not a person who resells my vinyl, so I don't know what it's worth. But at least mm-hmm. from a, like, um, uh, a specialness and like a like i know it's scarce sense it's one mm-hmm. of my favorite records oh totally and th- i mean like I, just getting nerdy for a second like i don't think you can even i don't think you can even you're really you're even allowed to list those on on discogs like you're not allowed right. to sell them on discogs anyway right because like, you're not allowed to like they, they've barred um like unauthorized uh, unauthorized releases, you can't sell them. Like any 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 Le Realise de Nudes fan knows this. Like you, you're not going to be able to get heavier than the death in the family. Uh, like on Discogs, you have to go to eBay for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and huh. So so, so anyway, I, I I love this special little gem. I'm, that is although, really cool. I'm, I'm sure someone can just go on YouTube and find an audio version of it. Though, like I'm sure it's not that rare. But I, I but the I, actual. The, the actual object, yeah. Yes, the ob- yeah. object. I am very, very, very proud of. Um, but yeah, that's my number five. Here comes number four. I want to hear it. Number four. The year is 2016. This is Cocaine Parties in L.A. by Freddie Gibbs. Yeah, I do it. Yeah, hey killer, you forgot to sew the dog. My mama kitchen stinking from the last order dog. So many cocaine transactions, I don't recall. Huh. So here's the story of this one. Um, uh, how well do you know your Kanye West? Not, not really at all. So, um, in, in my personal opinion, I, I, you know, everyone's got their own views on things. The last good listenable Kanye West album would have been um, uh, the Life of Pablo. Okay, that that was around 2016. Now, okay, I can follow it, you there. One of my favorite things about that album was that he used this Madlib beat. Madlib is one of my musical heroes. Mm-hmm. So just seeing Madlib in the in those liner notes, fantastic. So happy to see that, you know. And then on that track, uh, uh, it was called "No More Parties in L.A." Uh, it also had uh, a feature role with um, Kendrick Lamar, who of course is fantastic too. So mm-hmm. great song, you know. Well, it turns out that song. Uh, well, the beat specifically from Madlib was already promised to Freddie Gibbs. It was already in his possession, and he just hadn't gotten around to rapping on it yet. So when he heard Kanye West's version, No More Parties in L.A., he went, that's not how you rap on a Madlib beat. I will show you how to rap on a Madlib beat. And then he made Cocaine Parties in L.A. And apparently just completely freestyled it and just off the top of the dome. And, oh, um, flex. And, that and is then, a flex. And then just released it straight. And um, they, they released that in very small quantities. Uh, I, I think for the same reasons of a white label, where it's like, 
you know, if you only release like 500 copies, by the time someone gets mad, it's already sold out. Who cares? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not worth the lawyers getting involved anymore. You know, the, so, yeah, they're to- they're totally like the the unmarked bills of the music industry, hundred <laughs> like. um, percent. So, so I, I like that this alternate version is more or less just for spite. <laughs> you know, it's saying <laughs> no. I know Mad Lib. Y'all don't know Mad Lib. I'm going to show you how to rap on top of a Mad Lib beat. And, 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 yeah. and I have to be honest, I think Kanye's version is fine. I think Freddie Gibbs' version is much better. So, yeah. And this this is really interesting because, like, um, like when I think alternate versions, you know, um, like, like I, I, the the thing that I I, I the the things that I sort of exclude mm-hmm. are like, like remixes, right? Covers, mm-hmm. like even like live versions, acoustic versions. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, all, I'm probably gonna break all of those guidelines, right. but like, but like, yeah. Th- but this is, a, th- I mean, it's two different artists, but it's the same beat. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's real. That's a really interesting, like, sort of you know, entry point into the idea of alternate, alternate takes, alternate songs that's interesting especially I, I love the fact that at least in a tongue-in-cheek way it was done out of spite and i think that's mm-hmm. funny <laughs> a very a similar thing i remember a similar thing happening with uh accidentally um happening between uh kelly clarkson and beyonce do you remember this um i remember there are songs that were written for folks that were then like ac- Please fill me in on the details. It was it um it's I I cannot remember the producer's name, but he is the front man for One Republic, mm. I think. Um but he, yeah, he created this he created this track. He created a, a beat and and a melody um and uh, allegedly allegedly sold it to both Kelly Clarkson and Beyoncé. Beyoncé used it um at, for her song Halo from the um, from the Sasha Fierce album, mm-hmm. and I I'm tr- I'm struggling to remember which Kelly Clarkson song it was. It, it was one of her singles, and she like um, I remember she got a little bit annoyed at the producer because it's like, man, you're making it sound like I'm ripping off Beyonce. Right, that's not my intention. <laughs> like I would never in a million years. Um, I mean, they're both good songs. The beat is pretty dope like it's it's a good beat i love halo halo is a great song um but yeah that was a complete accident and yeah who knows how that happened oh yeah i i've actually heard a similar story recently so i guess this must happen a lot um it was um uh there's this series i wish i could remember the name but i can't right now but i'm sure you can find it if you google it there's a series on youtube um i believe vice makes them where it's the complete story behind a song and the Mm -hmm. songs are always these very like weird innocuous songs that you wouldn't really think you cared about the story behind it like um papa roach (laughs) cut my life into pieces or whatever that song is called and I think like, it's called Last Resort. Yes, I believe you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, that blue Daba Diba Diba song by Eiffel Some Number. Um, or uh, Vanessa Carl. I believe that is the actual title. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then, um, I uh, let's see, uh, uh, Vanessa Carlton's Thousand Miles. Uh, that that, that really? was on there. And, mm, but, okay. but there was there was also one about the Thong song by Cisco. Okay. <laughs> And whoever made that beat originally, if I would rewatch this documentary, I could tell you the name. Whoever made the beat for the thong song, they made that beat for Michael Jackson. 
And they were getting wow. ready to send that off to MJ. They accidentally included it in a submission to, you know, the guy from Drew Hill's solo project. Who gives a <laughs> shit? And then <laughs> when they heard it, they were like, oh, shit, we want this one. And they were like, oh, fuck, that's the MJ beat. What are we going to do? You know? <laughs> and um, And so he got it, you know? He used it, and obviously the thong song speaks for itself when it comes to sales and popularity and all that stuff. Yeah. That could have been a Michael and, Jackson song. <laughs> and it, like in, just in general, I think the, the thong song speaks for itself. There's a there's a really there's also a really interesting story about um, believe it or not, the Baja Men's uh, who let the dogs out. I'm just, I'm struggling to remember which podcast I listened to where they they went like in depth about like how that song came about like I, who I've originated a documentary it. about that and it is bonkers how it's a, deep it's it goes it's a wild story yeah no <laughs> this is all good stuff um yeah. but, but back to the subject of alternate versions mm-hmm. yeah I, I feel like everything I mentioned is going to be a different kind of alternate version. So cool. the first one was like a legal alternate version. The second one was like a spite alternate version. <laughs> this one I, I do think is going to be more traditional. And I think this was actually on your list of uh, the kind of alternate versions you wouldn't allow. But this one's special. This is my number three, 2009. This is first time high of Chicago acoustic version by Of Montreal. On Coster Island, plotting midnight raids in the Swedish plum trees. That uh, did, did, first of all, do, do you know you're of, uh, of Montreal? Are you into of Montreal? I, you know that that's one that's one of the that's one of those like um, former Athens bands that like um, I haven't done a, a deep dive on. I don't know a whole lot about them. I, I mean, um, it's a deep catalog too. That's yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of theirs, that, and it's, yeah, and it, I think that's one of the reasons that I've like I've kind of stayed out. It's like it's such a deep well of stuff. It's like okay, yes. if I get into this, it, it, I'm going to be there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of their albums is this great one called Skeletal Lamping, and um, it actually has uh, something we talked about in the store recently. It has almost like a Van Dyke Park song cycle structure to it, meaning that uh-huh. like it jumps from song to song mid song and just kind of like flows through ideas like, you know, wind through the trees. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just like one song like on a track has actually like four or five different song ideas all just kind of mashed together. And it's just like a roller coaster, you know? I, I, I like it when songwriters do that. It's, it's, it's really loose and it's just, yeah, the, the, it just, it, it, it shows like sort of a, like, a looseness of imagination that I really appreciate. Yeah. And, and so on this album, Skeletal Lamping by Of Montreal, there's this one great song called An Elu- Eluardian Instance. It's spelled E-L-U-A-R-D-I-A-N. I don't even know what it means, but an, an Eluardian Instance is the name of the actual track on the album. But... There's a little segment, just one, one of the many, I'm going to say one of the three songs in this song is this wonderful little zone, which apparently they are now calling First Time High, because they took that one chunk out, stretched it out into the full length of what it would be, and did an acoustic version of it. So you, huh. you it, it's it's almost like taking the, the, the cream out of an Oreo and then having just that, throwing away the cookies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and 
I, I like that. It's in particular because um, I am an album person and I do always want to listen to the album from top to bottom, blah, blah, blah. But I don't always have time for that. Sometimes I do want to just get to that cream. <laughs> and, and that's what this song does. It takes the best part of my favorite song and focuses just on it and does a really great acoustic version. And it's, um, it's great. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, I, I think that's distinct from just like having an acoustic version of a song. Right. Uh, because, you know, it's, you know, it, it is, it's, it's sort of reimagining it in a lot of ways because it's just, it's taking this one element out, it's recontextualizing it. Um, I guess it's, it's kind of like Eric Clapton's Layla, right? Like Eric Clapton's regular Layla is mm-hmm. one song. Eric yeah. Clapton unplugged acoustic Layla is basically a completely different song, more or less. You know I can I mean? see that. Yeah, I could, I could get with that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, alternate is a very broad term. <laughs> we could kind of <laughs> aim it wherever we want. <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right. And, uh, and now I'm actually going to break another one that I didn't really want to break. Um, Uh-oh. So I did not want to include any remixes. However... However, okay. I think this one is special, so I'm I'm including it. My number two, <laughs> the year is 2006. The song is Space Hose, Mad Lib Remix by Danger Doom. How they gave his own show to Tad Ghostal. Any given second he could go mad postal. Stay waving that power band space cannon. And had the nerve to jump in the face, erase Bannon. Mm. Now the reason I'm including this, so uh, obviously RIP MF Doom, just... One of the greatest of all time. One of my favorite rappers, period. Um, he, when he teamed up with Danger Mouse, was the project Danger Doom. So that that exists in yeah. the world. It's great. Uh, uh, lots of stuff about cartoons because it was put out uh, in conjunction with uh, Adult Swim. So it's, it's a really fun, cool project. However, because this remix strips away the Danger Mouse beat and, hmm. in, and puts in place of it a brand new Mad Lib beat... Basically, what happened is they changed a Danger Doom song into a Mad Villain song. And hmm. there are so few Mad Villain songs in the world that they basically, almost like through like alchemy, turned one <laughs> song into a brand new Mad Villain song. And I think they feel the same way because uh, Mad Villainy 2, the, um, the uh, I guess I'll call it the Mad Lib remix version of the original MF Doom and Mad Lib album uh, Mad Villainy, it it includes this song on there, even though it originally appeared on a Danger Doom EP. It also hmm. is on this Mad Villain uh, remix album. So so I think they feel the same way that somehow this song Space Hose went from being a Danger Doom song into being a Mad Villain song. And um, I think both versions are great, but Mad Lib's my hero, so I think oh, it's yeah. extra great when Mad Lib touches yeah. it. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and it's it's funny like. Uh, <laughs> Re- yeah, remixing is like a, it's, there's definitely, I, I think that, yeah, that, that, you know, because, because it, it does what I was just saying, like it, it recontextualizes the song completely, right. like where it's <laughs> almost an entirely new artist that, the, that this is, this is now, totally. uh, that now authored the song. Um, I just, <laughs> for some reason, like my, uh, what just popped into my head was Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, because so Kylie Minogue did, uh, you know, she had that enormous international hit with uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head. And yeah. there's there's this incredible remix of it that she did. Um, I think she, I think there's like live footage of this. I think she did a DVD um, 
she did a concert in Manchester. And when she performed Can't Get You Out of My Head in Manchester, um, the her DJ or producer or, or whoever it was switched up the beat um, and inserted uh, Blue Monday by New Order huh. into it. And it is great that sounds it is amazing flat it is flat out great yeah i'm just like i'm picturing it in my head right now and it sounds it sounds mm-hmm. in my head that sounds great so i bet in reality it sounds even better <laughs> oh yeah no it's amazing it's huh. amazing track it down but yeah no the, but yeah it's it's interesting like you know <laughs> you know the 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 spite alternate take and then the completely different artist alternate take that's great yeah yeah um well i've i've got one left yeah. um so um let's see so i've done the legal alternate version i've done the spite alternate version i've done <laughs> the acoustic alternate version i have done the remix alternate version what's left but the bootleg as fuck never supposed to be released alternate version and that <laughs> yeah. is from 2003 this is not about love. The John Bryan version by Fiona Apple. What is this posture? I have to stare at That's what he said when I'm sitting up straight. Change the name of the game because it lost the game. Did you ever listen to uh, this alternate version of Extraordinary Machine? The, the, yes. the original John Bryan version? Yes, I remember. I remember when this hit the internet. Um, I was, I was really heavily uh, on this one particular music. Um, on this one particular music message board. And it was a hot topic of conversation when, when it was like leaked, I think, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, And everybody, yeah, it was, it was such a, at that, it's, it's funny, like, cause the, the contemporary conversation around Fiona Apple is obviously about her, her, her most recent album, um, Mm -hmm. Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which is like a complete, the, the, the arc of her career is so interesting and how like she went from being this sort of like kind of jazzy singer songwriter teenager sort of uh it, like but but kind of a pop sensation at the same time because you know criminal was you know it it had a a a beat to it and it was really you know I, her first album was i mean it was more or less a a pop singer songwriter album right and then she like she became like through just through the like through her own self determination became this sort of auteur right and it it like her yeah the way that her career has developed is really really interesting and when when this album in particular came out when that when this version leaked i think a lot of a lot of us on you know in like a lot of my friends um were like oh okay so like this is the fiona apple we've been waiting for Right. The one that's like, you know, just not going to take any bullshit and like just going to do her own thing. Yeah, no, that's an incredible, that's an incredible take on that album. And, and that song in particular, not about love. Um, the, cause the, the version that finally came out, um, they, they, it's a long story that we could get into, but, um, I, I guess I'd, I'd say just go look up the Wikipedia page for extraordinary (laughs) machine. You'll fill in the gaps. Long story short, uh, Fiona Apple was going to release an album called Extraordinary Machine. Uh, she was working with her um, uh, old buddy and the producer of her previous album, John Bryan, who we talk about in this record store all the time. Um, and then yeah, you love John Bryan. Oh, yeah. John Bryan is king of my world. I love that guy. Um, 
Now, John Bryan's version wasn't released for one reason or another. Depends on who you ask. Uh, some say Fiona wasn't happy. Some say her label wasn't happy. Uh, the fans all presumed that uh, the label was the one that decided this album is not being released. It's not good enough. We don't hear a single boom, you know, shelved. But apparently, depending upon who you ask, it, it's not that clear cut of an answer. Perhaps hmm. um, there are other issues. Who, who knows? I don't. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> However, um, this version did leak, this uh, 11-track version of this album with all the John Bryan production. Now, John Bryan has even said that he's kind of embarrassed that this version is the version that leaked because he's like, oh, I have better versions of that album that I produced. <laughs> where he's like, where he's like, no, 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 no. That's like some like workstation bullshit. Like, oh man, I could give you something that, that would be much closer to the John Bryan version. Release and, the tapes, John Bryan. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> And um, they even talked about uh, Fiona and John going back into the studio to actually ma- remake the original John Bryan version of this album, hmm. which I think would be incredible. I would love that. But um, that was a long time ago, so I don't know if we'll ever get around to it. Um, There's always the 10, 20 year anniversary editions, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, I also remember that when this came out, so so there's the John Bryan leaked version, and then two years later, so yeah, 2003 was the leaked version, 2005, I believe, was the final version, the version that came out into stores with a completely mm-hmm. different producer. Of the 11 tracks that John Bryan produced on the leaked version, I think only two, Waltz and the title track, Extraordinary Machine, those two productions of his stayed, but everything else changed. Hmm. Um but this song in particular, uh, Not About Love, I think it is far superior on the original. On the original, it's one of my favorite songs ever. And on the new one, it's fine. I think it's fine. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a different take. It's not the take that I I wanted, you know? And um, I remember when uh, this album first came out, Pitchfork, on the same day, reviewed both the original John Bryan version and the officially released version on the same day. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. Some, that's some snark. Uh, yeah. The John Bryan version won. It got a higher, higher score. But um, <laughs> I, I thought that was a, a funny move. You know, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's a good list, man. That's a really, that's a really interesting list. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm happy to hear yours, though. So here, let's um, let's take a quick break. I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. Uh, you go around the store and uh, see if you can gather as many of these uh, alternate versions as you can find. And uh, well, we'll go through your list next. Let's do it. I right, gotcha. The powerful new iPhone 13 Pro is here with the most advanced camera in an iPhone. And T-Mobile is the place to get it. This new cinematic mode turned my travel videos into a filmmaking masterpiece. Get the most out of your new iPhone on America's largest, fastest 5G network. And posting. Whoa, that was fast. And now you can get iPhone 13 Pro on us with eligible trade-in and plan and upgrade forever. So I can always have a new iPhone? Yep, forever. Lock in the trade-in value of your new iPhone up to 800 bucks every two years for your next upgrade. Get iPhone 13 Pro on us right now and upgrade forever only at T-Mobile. With max plan and on us now via 30 monthly bill credits for well-qualified buyers plus tax. Contact us before canceling service to continue credits on current device or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement is due. Fastest based on average overall 5G speeds according to Open Signal Awards and USA 5G user experience report July 2021. See T-Mobile.com. 
This episode is brought to you by The Last Duel, a film by Ridley Scott, director of Gladiator. Witness the true story of one woman who defied a kingdom and made history. Starring Academy Award winners Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Academy Award nominee Adam Driver, and Jodie Comer, who gives a performance critics say will be remembered come Oscar time. The script was written by Academy Award nominee Nicole Hall of Center, as well as Affleck and Damon. The Last Duel, now playing only in theaters. Hi everyone, it's Katie Couric here to tell you why I'm excited about the new season of my podcast, Next Question. My memoir, Going There, comes out October 26th. Yikes! So this fall, I'm taking you behind the making of my memoir. We'll have exclusive podcast-only conversations about the book and my life that you won't find anywhere else. So come for my signature curiosity, but this time, stay for some of my own revealing answers. Subscribe and listen to Next Question with Katie Couric on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're here in the store. We're doing top five alternate versions of songs. Mike Johns is here shopping with us today. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, hit us with it. What you got? Okay, well, I had to I had to go back to high school for this one. <laughs> um, so my number five is uh, is this. Oh man, let me look at the year on this one. Uh, the year uh, the the year of original recording was 1991. The song is "Letter to Memphis" by the Pixies. The day since I met her. So this recording, uh, this is actually the, uh, this is a Peel session. This was recorded at the BBC. Um, and I, I love the Pixies. They were like, they were the band I was obsessed with in high school. Um, I was, I, before this, I was never like a completist or anything, mm-hmm. but once I got bit by the Pixies bug, I was like, I have to have everything. Right. Um, and so when they put out the, uh, the P- Pixies of the BBC album, like, I mean, had to have it. And the version of, the version of, well, uh, of Letter to Memphis that's on this one is just, it's, it's not all that different from, it's, it, it's even, like note for note, it's, it's almost identical to the version that made it onto Trompe Le Monde, but it is just better. It's just better. <laughs> and I've been thinking, I've been like thinking about why that is. And I think that the reason that the BBC performance is better is because all of them are in the same room together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You just get, get that energy. Get that get that in-person energy. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I mean, when when the Pixies recorded Trompe Le Monde, they by that point, you know, they were at the the nadir of their career. Right. Um, as a band, they were about to break they, up. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and their breakup story is one of the like one of the funniest things because like I, Frank Black like uh, broke up with them over facts and then announced it like and then just went like rogue and announced it like on a radio interview where it was just like yeah the pictures are dead and uh, w- without any input from anybody else right um, which is really funny I wonder if the facts had a cover letter. Like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's but, less that they broke up, and it's more that Frank 
Black like murdered the band. And, yeah, like, no, he it was totally without did. consent. It was just yeah, this happened. We're done. Yeah. yeah. And like the way that Trompe Lamond was recorded, like because they were not getting along, like uh, so each of the band members went in individually and just like recorded their parts alone in the studio with an engineer, and you know that that was that was all mixed together, and that's the album that you got. Like none of them were ever in the studio at the same time, and so the energy of the BBC version, which I mean, Peel sessions are recorded live, as far as I can tell. Um, it's just better. It's just better. Um, and man, like Letter to Memphis is one of my favorite Pixie songs. It's so good. You're reminding me of the um, uh, album Frank Black Francis. It was that a solo album years later by mm-hmm. Frank Black slash Black Francis, whatever you want to call him. And mm-hmm. I believe one of the discs was a bunch of his Pixies demos. And I believe the other disc was how he would interpret them now as a solo artist. And th- I think this oh, was like the... Remember this? It was like 2004, maybe something like that. That was, yeah, that was, you know, I don't think I ever got that album. I need to go back and listen to that because there's that's some interesting really stuff interesting. on there. Uh, in particular, yeah. on his, like, hey, I'm redoing all these songs disc, there's a uh, he for a bunch of the songs, he gets a horn section. And man, that's cool. His version of Holiday Song on his brand new, hey, I'm redoing this, it's got like a mariachi vibe to it. And it's, I like that. It's fun. So, so speaking <laughs> yeah. of alternate versions, uh, the album Frank Black Francis has a whole disc of alternate versions of songs. That's it's it's a treat for sure. That, and that's something that he he's done like a number of times over his career because like when uh, when he was with the Catholics, right? Um, uh, like sort of after the Frank Black, like his solo project sort of waned um, in the late nineties. He put together the Catholics. And they put out a they put out an EP where they did like Frank Black and the Catholics did some Pixie songs and it was really cool. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it was as I don't think it was as 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 fully realized as the the stuff that you're talking about. But it was still it was cool for for a young Pixies fan who was just buying up Frank Black solo stuff because right. Um, uh, no 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 slight against Frank Black and the Catholics. I I, I think that. Uh, dog in the sand is one of the is a a great record um it was just it was nice to hear it was just cool hearing him play pixie songs again yeah yeah i I remember um i'm sure you've seen them too when they went touring on their like reunion tours like over the Mm -hmm. past decade or so um um it's amazing i'm not putting them down by any means but it's amazing to see the difference of the energy of the audience between a new Pixies song and an original Pixies song when they're playing <laughs> during those reunion shows. Because yeah. you feel so fucking good when he gets up there and do, they're doing like Gigantic or mm-hmm. name it. You, you name any Pixies song yeah. from the original, like, you know, uh, the original, like what? I guess we'll call that what? Four? The, the, like the, the Albums. Yeah, that was. Yeah, four <laughs> it depends, albums on, it depends on what you call. Come on, Pilgrim. Maybe that's an EP. Anyway, what I think a, that's an EP. I think that's an EP. I think that y'all had this discussion like in the store weeks ago. <laughs> yes, uh, but anyway, anyway, the original Pixies and Latter Day reformed Pixies. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference. Pause era Pixies. Yes, <laughs> yes. The <laughs> difference live, seeing just the reaction of the people there was astonishing. And I, you know, and I think that's relatively common with bands yeah. in general, which is just like, yeah. oh, don't play the new stuff, just play the hits. But the Pixies <laughs> never really had any hits. It wasn't really about hits. It no. was just about 
we we love the Pixies, and this band's good too. But we love the Pixies. Are you playing yeah. any Pixies songs today? And when they did, it was incredible, you know? But anyway, but that's not to say yeah. it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Frank Black. At the same time, like, you know, I, I'm not out here checking for like indie Cindy stuff. Like, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm Bossa Nova Hive. Like, yeah, <laughs> come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good pick. Yeah. All right. Okay. So for my number four, for my number four, uh, getting a little bit darker. Um, I, I think that the year is, uh, to, man, what year is it? Is it 2005, 2004? Um, you know what? I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> the year is some year in the early two thousands. The song is teenage lightning. The band is coil. So, um, this is the version that came out on the, on Coyle's final album, uh, posthumous album, however you want to think of it. Uh, John Balance had already died when Ape of Naples came out. Um, and the version of Teenage Lightning on, this is like, Coyle is one of those bands, uh, or groups that, like I could, there are any number of songs I could have I could have picked because like they were constantly, you know, reaching back into their catalog, reworking old stuff. Like there are entire Coil albums that like they just redid, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. that, like because th- there was a there was a thing uh, uh, several years ago where um, this album that had existed like in bootlegs uh, backwards. Um, and was officially released um, re- like uh, to accompany uh, the Ape of Naples as the new backwards, like this sort of original mix of that that was recorded at Trent Reznor's studio in the in the nineties. Um, like it, somebody finished it, and Cold Spring Records put it out, um, and it it's wildly different from the album that was officially released in the nineties um, or in the late two thousands or whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, but Teenage Lightning is interesting because as far as I can tell, and I haven't done, like, I'm not, I haven't done the sort of, like, you know, bottom of the swimming pool dive right. into the coil catalog that, that one could do. That's a hard dive. Um, That's like, it, it, um, it's like when you meet like a hardcore Frank Zappa fan and it's like, oh, oh. man, you must know so much. <laughs> you, you have not come up for air for a long time, my friend. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, so um you know, if if anybody's like a hardcore coil fan in this store, I don't like you know, please don't hurt me, but like <laughs> um so Teenage Lightning I think originated on their 1991 album uh Love Secret Domain, which actually just got reissued. So I I, I was actually just got it in the mail yesterday. I'm very excited about it. Um and on that album back in the back in 91, it was a there was there's a couple of versions on it on on that album and it's like a jaunty like it's a jaunty little tune hmm. um it's got this sort of, like i don't know what that beat is i think it's like a kind of a samba beat or something i don't know but it's like it's almost an interstitial like it's kind of like in between songs um where it where it fits and like the there there are there is sing like john balance is singing on it but his voice is so processed and messed with that you can't really tell what he's saying and it's just kind of like this jaunty little 
dancey tune between other songs on the record. And then when um, John Balance tragically died in the early 2000s and uh, Peter Christofferson uh, completed work on The Ape of Naples, the version of Teenage Lightning that they reworked for for that um, in 2005, uh, is it's much darker. Um, that sort of jaunty bass line remains, but John Balance's voice is clear as a bell, um, and the the mood of the song is way darker. It's more funereal, and it's beautiful. Like the rest of that album, like The Ape of Naples is one of my favorite records. It's very dark. It's very preoccupied with death. Um, and it also culminates with a cover of Going Up, which is the uh, the theme song to that British comedy show, Are You Being Served? Oh, wow. That's all. <laughs> wow. Like, and you would never recognize it. That, like, I mean, just listening to it on the album. <laughs> th- th- this is an admission. I love Are You Being Served? So I will be looking up this Coil cover of that immediately when I leave this record store today. Because it, it is, That man, sounds wild. It, wow. It's so, it's so incredible. And it's, it's, it, and it sounds, the, it's so funny that they, they covered this, you know, I mean, you know what that sound, yeah. that song sounds like. It's all cash registers and, you know, this it's, it's, like, it's a little British bit tune. like Money by Pink Floyd, but yeah, nowhere near it, as cool. It's like, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the it's, Richard Cheese version of Money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like all the lyrics are a, um, the, a female elevator operator being like, first floor perfumery, second floor hoseries, third floor exactly. this going up. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Okay. I'll be looking that yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, man. It, Coil kind of just, I mean, it's so, it's so funny because they, they grew out of, you know, obviously Peter Christopherson was in, he was in Throbbing Gristle. Like he was part of the industrial like revolution in music in the late seventies, early eighties. And by the end of his career and by the time he, you know, by the time of his death, like he had just like the, the, the arc of his, the, the arc of his art, um, man, really interesting and it just remained just pitch black all the way through and it's really man that this is this is one of the reasons why it's so easy to just like tumble down the rabbit hole with coil right um so yeah that's my number four good one good one and now for something completely different for number three the year oh my god what year was it i'm gonna do this again the (laughs) year was the year was 1995 i'm going back to going back to high school (laughs) um the song was tough gnarl and the band was Mike Watt with Sonic Youth from the album Ballhogger Tugboat. He's running on a tough knot in his head. He's got a fatal erection. Home in bed. He's really smart and he's really fast. He's got a high chin. This album is wild. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you've given it a, a listen recently, but um, it had it was basically like. Uh, who's everybody in sort of alt rock at the time? No, you are um, blowing my mind right now because I I'm I love my Sonic Youth, but I've never heard this before, which is always great because Sonic Youth to me is one of the only bands in my like pantheon of favorites that they've been broken up for a decade and I can still be surprised <laughs> when I hear about things they've done. So, so, so please, please tell me all about this. Okay, so um, in 95, Mike Watt put out a record where it was basically, he just he just gathered up all of his friends mm-hmm. and put out a record 
Um, and let, let me, okay. So, um, so just on this one song, it, it's, it's Sonic Youth performing Tough Gnarl. There is, I'm just looking at the liner notes here. Uh, so, okay. So Watt is on bass, obviously it's Thurston and Lee and Steve Shelley, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. on, you know, playing the part of Sonic Youth. <laughs> um, but also, uh, there are two other singers, like 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 Thurston's not singing on this. It's Carla Bozalik uh, singing. Um, in addition to, I think maybe God, who else is singing on this? You know what? It doesn't say, and I don't know. <laughs> so Carla Bozalik, Jay Maskus plays drums. Wow. Uh, but they've already got Steve adi- Shelley. They they need yep, two drummers. So, <laughs> yeah, so like it's it's they're listed as Jay Mascus drums on the first part, Steve Shelley drums on the second part. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um Epic Soundtracks is playing tambourine and Petra Hayden mm. is playing violin, which like if you need a violinist in the mid 90s, Petra Hayden's your girl. Right. Was she, was she in was she in the rentals with the guy from Weezer? I know one of the Haydens was, but yeah. there are three Hayden sisters, is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> They're like the heim of the early nineties. They, they, I, 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 because yeah, one Hayden is in that dog. One Hayden, that's right, played drums for Beck, which I believe might be the same one. They're so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need to, I need to, uh, I, I need to memorize my Haydens. But yes, Petra Hayden is definitely one of the Hayden Hayden trio. <laughs> yeah, and finally, also Nels Klein on guitar. Wow, wow, like this, what, what a lineup. Really, yeah, and that's one song. Like, like the like uh, Eddie Vedder famously uh, sang on one of the songs. He sang against the seventies. That was like the big, I think, single from the, that album, along with Piss Bottle Man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it, it, the the reason. I, I mean, one tough gnarl. I mean, it it comes from Sister, which is like my favorite Sonic Youth record. Um, and so, he, and like on that album, you know, it's. It's messy, it's trashy, the production is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's given this like beautiful like treatment with all of these musicians sort of like throwing into the pot. Right. Um, and like sort of in addition to or instead of like squ- squealing guitar feedback, you have Petra Hayden like on violin and it's it's really beautiful it is really beautiful and it like kind of opens that song up and shows you what it can do um and also it's mike watt on bass and gotta love watt i mean man that sounds amazing yeah you're giving me a lot of stuff i gotta look up uh uh after the store closes today so yeah oh yeah. totally this yeah no this is yeah and this one it's it's funny how like i mean it was it was totally like this like all-star project where it was a bunch of people who got together to just like very seriously goof around. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what's that famous one that um, the John Lennon, Harry Nielsen one called something about pussycats or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, but, but that's but, awesome. But yeah, it's, it's one of those projects where, yeah, yeah. Really famous, really successful, really talented people are like, let's just goof around for fun and see what happens. And it usually turns yeah. out really great. So you yeah. get things like the traveling Wilburys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a cover of maggot brain on this album, which my God, <laughs> uh, r- remind me one more time. So, so the album is released under Mike Watt. It's a Mike Watt yeah, album. And what's the name? Yeah, what's the title again? 
Ball Hog or Tugboat okay. came out in 95 on Columbia. This nice. was a, this was a major label project, <laughs> which is just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's weird to me that um, in the heyday of the CD, which was, you know, late 80s through, I'm going to say, mm, wait, when did Napster arrive? 2000? <laughs> so Yeah, like that 99 or 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that window for CDs, holy cow, everything went platinum. <laughs> Like, Mm -hmm. everything sold, everything made money, everything went platinum. Because there was literally no other way to get it. Yeah, yeah. And there there were, it had, it had, it had brutalized the format wars, like, vinyl died, and yeah, yeah, CDs were, like, the only option. I I kind of miss it for one regard, And, and you know what, this isn't the end of everything, but it is something, I think, special. When you write a really popular song and you get really successful, let's say, for example, Barbie Girl by Aqua, okay, that song. Like, mm-hmm. They're a one-hit wonder. You know, that that's what they are. Um, back then, because they got popular during that heyday of the CD, they're probably done. <laughs> you know, like financially, <laughs> they're good. They, they can just put it on a shelf and they're fine. Today, mm-hmm. let's say they did the exact same thing. They got the exact same popularity. It would it would it would make a splash on TikTok for a day. I, I bet it would you know make the meme round real quick, and mm-hmm. they'll probably make them oh let's say a hundred thousand dollars off that, and then there you go. Maybe because every you know maybe a yeah, year you, they're covered financially. You know yeah you 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 know you'd buy it for ninety nine cents on Apple. Oh or if, if that if if, if that, that. <laughs> if that like most now these you, kids you just, today with their Spotify's and their Deezers come on. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, man. Yeah, no, God, I'm old. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, but but it's it's it's. I'm not saying it's a better system because, um, uh, hey, may, maybe that album isn't very good. Maybe you didn't need to buy the entire Aqua <laughs> album that had that one Barbie Girl song that you loved. You, but what I didn't. will say is that it supported artists a lot better. Ar- yeah. Artists could make money a lot better when you were forced to buy their album. And uh, that is true. I feel bad for artists in that regard, but you know, yeah. oh, oh well. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. The profit margins with vinyl releases are completely different. Yeah. They're so much more expensive to manufacture and sell yeah. and ship and everything. So like, it's, it's harder to break even. Um, especially if you're just putting out a seven inch, my God, um, <laughs> which you, you of all people should know. <laughs> and and the, like the amount you have to charge for a seven inch to make a profit is ridiculous. I just, I just paid REM $10 for a pre-order for a, speaking of alternate versions, uh, REM is putting out, um, a seven, they're re-releasing their very first seven inch, mm-hmm. um, which is radio free Europe. Um, and it was like a completely different mix than wound up on even the, the eponymous album. Right. Um, and it's a a completely different recording than, than showed up on, uh, on murmur. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, like it's, it's much, I think it it goes harder. Right. It's it's much more, it's much more garage rock. From um, what I've heard, because I, I I vaguely know what you're talking about. From what I've heard, it's more akin to their live sound at the time, which was exactly. a, a bit more. I, I don't want to say cocaine fueled because I don't know what <laughs> drugs they were doing at the time, but but that's the vibe. Is is yeah. the, the cocaine fueled vibe? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It was it was much more like 
we're play we're we're trying to rock this house. We're trying yeah. to party. We're trying to fuel this frat party that we're playing at. And, and you're right. That, Ten dollars for a seven inch. It's it's it, it's become the new standard, but I don't like it. I don't like neither it one do I. bit. Neither do I. Like, I mean, to me yeah. personally, I think a seven inch should be about five bucks, and I think a twelve inch record should be oh. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to max out at 15. It's not that way at all anymore. No. <laughs> but that's that's what I want, and it's just it's 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 sad because it makes yeah. music a luxury. And yeah. if if uh, Ian Mackay has tried to teach us anything, it's that everyone <laughs> should have their music inexpensively so everyone could have it. You know, everybody could stand to listen to Ian more. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, like it blows my mind when I, I flip through my vinyl collection and, you know, come across records that I bought back in college mm-hmm. that like still have the price stickers on them, you know, and they're like eight bucks. Yes. Like, my God, that would never, ever happen now. No, it's sad. It's sad. Like, like I, I, I would say today, probably $20 is the average price for a record now. And that's... Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what, what can you do? I mean, I mean, the, yeah. the world inflates prices. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's as long I, you know, as long as musicians are getting paid, yes. I, I I'm okay with it. Yeah. But man, it hurts sometimes. <laughs> well, what hurts me the most is when I'm um because you know I I love to support artists and I love to buy music uh, often um note unheard like if it's just like oh hey so and so that I love is putting out a new album I will pre buy it I've never even yep. heard the single I'm I'm just here to support you this is great. And then that record that you've never even heard a single for is like 40 bucks. And you're like, wait a minute, can I do that? Can I spend $40 on an album that I've never heard a note of? Because let's Mm. say hypothetically, there was a real fancy, you know, uh, version of like East by Joanna Newsom. And I'm like, oh, I love this album. I'll, I'll give you 40 bucks for a fancy copy. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, hey, it's, you know, it's the new Heinz album. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) I like Heinz. I'll buy your album. Is this one worth 40? Is this, is this, uh, is this something I should commit to? Uh, you're not, you're not bundling a t-shirt with this. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> okay. Heinz, I trust you. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but, but anyway, anyway, we're getting off subject. Uh, what, what, what number are you up to now? We are on number four. No, number two. Number I, two. I'm counting down. Am I counting up? You're counting, counting down, down to number one. I but started at five. Five, four, three, I, two. Yes. I'm at two. Okay. Yeah. So my, oh, at number two <laughs> with a bullet um <laughs> the year is undetermined <laughs> hang on a moment the year is 1994 wow this is very 90s heavy um the year is 1994 the song is couldn't you wait the band is silkworm So this is the version, uh, and again, talking about acoustic versions, Mm -hmm. this one, to me, counts. Um, Because Silkworm didn't do a whole lot of, like, extraneous stuff. Right. Um, So this was, this came from the Marco Collins sessions, uh, Seven Inches and CD single. Um, They record, it was, these were recorded by Marco Collins in Seattle, um, uh, in the in the mid '90s, at his radio stations that he worked at, and uh, this 
this version of Couldn't You Wait is, I think, definitive. Like, this is this, like, the song was originally released on the Libertine album um, when, back when Silkworm was still a, a quartet. So this song was originally released on the, the album Libertine, um, you know, full band, electric guitars, it's loud. Um, but here, like, it's, it's just, it's stripped down and, uh, uh, Tim Midget's vocals are like w- pushed way up front, and it's just like the, it, this song is so good. <laughs> this song is so good, and like this, like it's one of my favorite songs of all time. It's one of pa- my one of my favorite Silkworm songs for certain, and like this, like it, it's it kind of boils down what Silkworm does, like kind of like boils it down to like just one three minute take of like this fantastic song. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think more people should be pr- freaking out about silkworm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love them to death. Um, rest in peace, Michael Dahlquist. Totally. No, I, I fully agree. Um, they're, they're definitely one of those bands that, um, don't get talked about often enough. And then anytime you kind of get into like a, a silkworm rabbit hole, you're like, why? Why not? Yeah. Why? yeah. And, and it like every time I listen to silkworm, like the question in my mind is always, why am I not just listening to silkworm all of the time? Right. There's, there were a few bands where that happens. One is Fugazi. Right. <laughs> one is silkworm. And the other one is the Constantines. Like it's just, yeah. Why am I not listening to these bands all, like exclusively? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah. I, I 100% follow you. I, I feel that way recently. Um, about Bedhead and Built to Spill. Oh, right. Built to Spill, so god. <laughs> that probably god. says something about my my mood lately. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I've been listening to those two bands a lot lately, and it's just been like, yeah, I'm comfy in here. Like, like <laughs> I'm in a rut so deep, I can put up posters. Like, this is nice, you know. I uh, so the, d- just to drop a name really quick. Uh, the the chef, the t- the television chef Hugh Atchison, mm-hmm. um, who lives in Athens. He he told me this story once about um, when I was producing his old show. Um, he told me this story about how he was he was hanging out in a bar like this dive bar in Idaho that in in Boise that his friend had taken him to, mm-hmm. and over the din like he's you know he's having a couple of beers he's hanging out with a friend and over the din of the bar he hears this like drum beat. Like coming from like upstairs, it's like dun dun da, and he he's straining to hear it. He can barely hear it, and then he realizes like, oh, that's fucking built to spill. Like they're rehearsing upstairs, and they're playing, they're playing the plan. Wow! <laughs> like he's he was just like I'm sitting underneath like some of my musical heroes. That's incredible. Just yeah. like in a bar in Boise. Um. Anyway. No, no, um, the, 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 those stories are so great, in particular because um, for people like you and I, who, you know, we idolize these musicians, you never really realize how normal most of them are. Like, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. ob- obviously people like, you know, Katy Perry and Beyonce and Justin Bieber, they live... Those people aren't normal. They live, they live like kings and gods. Yes, like they, 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 they are, are on, on a higher clouds. Plane. They are, they're, they yeah. are, are, are apart <laughs> from us. But then, you know, you run into like the guy from the dismemberment plan who has a day job <laughs> and you're, you're just like, hey man, I love, man, it's so great, DeSoto Records and Emergency and I, and we got to talk about this <laughs> stuff. And he's like... You know, I got some papers to co- correlate. <laughs> like, I don't even know these terms. I don't know these office terms. But uh, yeah, he's got some um, KPIs to fill out. <laughs> and 
I remember a, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, when he was, he, a friend of mine lived in New York for a decade, like you do when you move to New York, you wind up right. there for a decade. Right. Um, and then and you have to up, leave. You have to leave. Then, yeah. It's like, <laughs> get me out of this city before I murder everybody. Um, he was working in a, he was like working a corp, some corporate office job, like, like a, like he was like temping at a like law office or something. I don't know. Um, and over the course of like sort of wide like company-wide emails and like using the internal like messaging system on like in the company he realized that he was like somewhere in the building he was a co-worker of the drummer from the wrens right <laughs> and like he never went and tracked him down mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was that was like a thing that he was always like really stoked about it's like oh my god somewhere <laughs> the, somewhere like the guy from the wrens <laughs> is here <laughs> yeah no i i mean like you know uh, i'm sure both of us we know a lot of musicians some of which are famous to people like you and i mm-hmm. and yet i don't know any like, hmm, do I know any musicians without a day job? <laughs> like, even the famous musicians I know personally, I think they all have some kind of day job. Even if their day job is like, I'm also the A&R rep for my label. You know what I mean? Like shit like that, yep. where it's mm-hmm. like, they're, they still have a little bit of a side hustle, even if it's still awesome and related to music. Yeah, it's still I, a yeah. it's still an office job. They they have to send emails for a living. Like that's yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and and uh, yeah, but yeah. Personally, I've never met a musician without a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Huh. Very true. But I've also never met most famous musicians. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready for my number one? Number one. Hit me with it. Okay. So speaking of musicians who exist on a separate plane from the rest of humanity my number one alternate take the year is i believe 1966 yep the song is crescent the artist is john coltrane so um years ago when i was working at uh the at in public radio in Atlanta, um, I wrote about my experience hearing Coltrane for the first time. Um, and I, if, if anybody in the store wants to hear it, like this, I I put the segment up on my, on my medium page. You can, you can search me, like Google me, find that it's on the, it's, it exists on the internet. You can find it. Remind me of your uh, website as well. What's the URL? It's mikejohns.com, M-Y-K-E-J-O-H-N-S.com. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, and you can find my Medium page through there. Um, But yeah, so I wrote about the first time I heard John Coltrane, and I didn't didn't realize it was him. Um, I got into this habit after I dropped out of college for the first time of like taking my paychecks from the factory job I was working and blowing it all <laughs> record shopping yeah. when I should have been saving up to like move back into my old apartment and blah, blah, blah. But right. so I had this, I had this cadence of like on the weekends, I would drive into Atlanta. I would hit up uh Wax street indicator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then hit a, and then drive the little five points and hit up wax and facts and criminal records. Mm-hmm. It's a great day. And, <laughs> That's yeah. No, hell of a day. <laughs> those were, those were good days, man. Yeah. Um, and this one particular Sunday, got in my car, turned on the radio, 
was listening to, um, I believe it was album 88, um, Georgia, uh, Georgia state's, uh, radio station. And, um, I turned it on just in time to, for the, the DJ to hit play. Like it was the very beginning of the song. And it was this, like, just this, uh, just this double bass, um, thumping around, like it's just a solo bass. And I was like, what is this? And it went on and on and on for like 10 minutes, just a bass, like the bassist, like, like plucking and thumping and stuff and occasionally bowing. It was wild. And then the rest of the band came in like 10 minutes later, they just, the rest of the band like tumbles in and they're playing this gorgeous, like smoky, mysterious, like riff. And it's, it's, it's incredible. I'm like driving into Decatur glued to my radio and I get into the, the, into the Wuck Street parking lot and I'm just sitting there in my car, lit, like glued to the radio and it keeps going and it goes and it goes and it goes. And it's just like, it, it becomes this roiling noise, this, this wild free jazz improv that eventually after an hour <laughs> comes to this crashing end. Wow. And the DJ comes back from probably a lunch break. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like, he turns on the mic and he just says, John Coltrane, Crescent, completely uncompromising. And I bolted into that record store. It's <laughs> like, I have to find this album now. Right. Right. What I wound up finding was the album Crescent by John Coltrane which is not the recording that I heard. Right. That was the, so the original Impulse Records, like, release in the, in the early, like, I, I don't remember when, like 1961 maybe? So I brought Crescent, and it's amazing. I, it's, my, it's my favorite jazz album. It's, I, I love John Coltrane so much. And the version that I heard on the radio that day wound up being the live in Japan version from, like, the, it's, there's a four-disc set of wow. his performances in Japan in 1966 and like most of like, <laughs> like so he like Crescent is an hour long he do, he also did, like this is a thing that Coltrane does like over the course of his career like he he kept returning to my favorite things mm-hmm. and just finding new things in it you know there's like sort of you know back early in his career he's playing it you know, like a jazz standard. He's playing it like you would expect. And then by the time 1966 rolls around, he's playing it in Japan and it's an hour long. And it's this wild, like, it's this wild free improv by the end of it. And he's just pushing the boundaries of this medium that he is, you know, I mean, he's a god of. And yeah, that version of Crescent, like, it just, it changed the way that I thought about jazz it's the change the way i thought about music and it was a uh an incredible introduction to to the music of john coltrane and i will just, it just will live in my in my heart for the rest of my life i this is like uh this is one of those recordings that i just i'm taking with me beyond the grave like this it's it's an end-all be-all for me that's fantastic Man, I'm, I'm I'm getting so many great recommendations from you today because yeah, obviously I love John Coltrane, but yeah. I've never heard this. <laughs> this sounds epic. The, and the original, yeah, the, like the 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 riff in in Crescent. It's the it's the title track. It kicks off the album Crescent, um, and it's just it's beautiful, man. It's just beautiful. That whole album is gorgeous. It's very it's very 
he's like hinting at because like the album that he released later that same year was a love supreme and everybody knows a love supreme and everybody knows like how it changed you know it just changed the game but like he was still toying with that um when he recorded crescent it's a little bit more traditional but the yeah it's just it just it, it it's got so much heart um that you don't find in all jazz music it's yeah it's gorgeous yeah Good stuff. I can't wait to hear it. Um, the the version that you have is it CD or vinyl? The one that you I have it on. I have it on CD. Because I was I was gonna say like um, I'm actually usually disappointed when I get tracks that are like an hour long on vinyl because then they <laughs> and you stop. have to split up. Yes, yeah. they they break up the track like halfway through, and it's like oh this this is where digital tracks and CDs actually are better than, than, I, I than felt, vinyl. Yeah. I felt that way. Cause like the, I have a, I have a, a Glenn Bronca album that was recorded live. Um, I think it's symphony number no. one or something mm-hmm. um, recorded live in the garage. It's like Lee Ronaldo's playing on it. It's like an early, early um, uh, Glenn Bronca recording. And it's, you know, on vinyl. Cool. It's cool that I have it on vinyl, but right. also like, you got to turn it over halfway through because there ain't no way it's fitting, you know, an hour long noise guitar fest you know, yeah. <laughs> on one side of the, on one side of vinyl. It's yeah, no, that's the, that's the benefit of digital for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And well, great. That's, that's an excellent list. Tons of great recommendations for me and anyone else in the store right now. Um, oh, totally. Everybody yeah. go listen to John Coltrane right now. <laughs> uh, we got to start wrapping up, but um, I definitely want to cover some uh you know some short listers some some songs that didn't quite make our lists and i definitely need to restock the employee recommendation shelf so let's Mm -hmm. take a quick break we'll come back we'll handle both those things It's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are... New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. (laughs) So I can go to her parties. (laughs) It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? 
Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, we are back. We've gone through our top five alternative versions of songs lists. But now we're going to do some quick uh, short lists. Songs that almost made it but didn't quite. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got a few single versions that that didn't make Those are always good. Yeah. Those are always um, good. Eleanor Put Your Boots On by Franz Ferdinand. The single version's real good. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Other Side of Mount Heart Attack by Liars. That version's really good. Oh, yeah. Um, Man, Liars. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, An acoustic version, Jamie Acoustic by Weezer. Uh, Oh, yeah. Regular's good. The acoustic version's quite good, too. I I almost brought up Jamie, because, yeah, the original version on the DGC Rarities Mm -hmm. comp. Yeah. Maybe my favorite Weezer song. Maybe. It's a hell of a song, for sure. Um, uh, One of my favorites, too, is, uh, let's see, Thundercat and Flying Lotus got together, and Mm. they, quote-unquote, fixed the song um, (laughs) Black Skinhead by Kanye West, (laughs) because uh, they were like, nah, it needs better bass. So, so it's it's basically the exact same song, Black Skinhead by Kanye West, except that Thundercat's doing the bass on it. And so, if you're gonna get a new bass, if you're gonna get somebody to sub in on bass, and so it's it great. damn well better be him. It's a, it's a <laughs> subtle alternate version, but an excellent alternate version. That's awesome. Uh, a couple of extended mixes; I'm, those didn't quite cut cut it for me. Uh, Eleanor Rigby's strings only version from uh, hmm. Beatles Anthology Two. I really like that one. And um, one, one more I'll mention, um, on the single for the air song Playground Love, I think there's like four or five different versions. Yeah. My favorite is one called High School Prom. And it's a, um, it's like a like upbeat, like, I don't know, like 70s, you know, school dance band style Man, performance yeah. of Playground Love. And that one's real good. That, that I think that might be my favorite air song. I love that song. Oh, it's so special. It, 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 it. <laughs> It feels good going down. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. That reminds me. Of, that reminds me of like uh, Low did a um, a version of their song. Um, oh Lord, I think it was. Uh, I think they did a, a version of their song Hatchet mm. um, off of uh, Drums and Guns that was like played on a Mellotron and Mimi singing it. Oh wow, yeah. And, it, and it's it sounds like it sounds like a seventies FM gold sort of thing, and it's it's awesome. It's yeah, it's very much the same kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good trick for sure. I mean, honestly, it's the same kind of trick you can even get where um, you take an album like oh, let's say um, for Emma Forever Ago by Bon Iver. Okay, mm-hmm. you take that and you pop it on your record player. You take a song like Skinny Love <laughs> and you play it at forty five RPM instead of thirty three and a third. <laughs> it's a fun little pop song all of a sudden, and, and anyone can do that you know and it's fun it makes me think too whenever i do that either on purpose or on accident because i've gone the other way too like um Mm -hmm. uh, i remember elliot smith's final single uh uh, i believe it came out right after he died it was it was Mm -hmm. going to be the first single from um uh from a basement on a hill hill, yeah. yeah and when i first received it um Gosh, I'm forgetting what song it was now, but I remember the first word is sunshine. I'll never forget that. But anyway, uh, I put the I put the seven inch on my record player. Hey, this is the first new Elliott Smith single and the last new Elliott Smith single from this new album. 
I, I pop in my record player, I start it up, and it's so slow, and it's slow, morose, so morose. And then he starts singing, and it's like, sunshine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, got to kick this up to 45 RPM. Ah, there's the song. There it is. And it was still morose, but it was not as bad as I thought it was. How about um, you? You're a, do you have a short list for a songs you oh, wanted yeah, to include? Absolutely, absolutely, I do. Um, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a conversation with me if I didn't mention Jay Robbins in some form or fashion. And so, yeah, Burning Airlines did a a split picture disc with at the drive-in um, where they did a uh, they did a uh, a take on the Deluxe War Baby, which eventually came out um, in completely different form on. Um, on their album Identikit. Um, and uh, the, I mean, the Identikit version is cool. It's good. Like it's a, I mean, that's a rocking song. It's awesome. Um, but the, uh, the seven inch version um, has features Jay Robbins playing acoustic guitar for part of it. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, there's just, there's something to it. And also the picture disc looks, the picture disc, if you can find images of this online, it's, it's, it looks like, um, it looks like Soviet, like, uh, propaganda era artwork. Right. Um, it's really, it, it looks really cool. <laughs> so yeah, just having that object um, that, yeah, connects me to that. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh man. Sparkle horse. Uh, the uh, distorted ghost EP has the Memphis version, quote unquote of happy man, mm. um, which, you know, and like when, because uh, th- that song was originally on good morning spider, but it's like, buried in static and distortion and uh he stripped all that away because like i think i I get the sense that like he wanted to like he knew that it would be like a radio single if like he didn't ruin it somehow yeah 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 (laughs) and he didn't want it to overshadow the rest of the record so uh, i'm I'm guessing i don't know any i don't know any of the backstory here but like he 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 released a fixed version on the um on the distorted ghost ep and it's oh one of the greatest songs ever written. Um, Cheap Trick <laughs> makes um, this. This is one of, like you, you. I'm glad that you brought up earlier. Like you brought up like um, like illegal versions, right? Yeah. Um, because Cheap Trick, uh, they went into the studio with Steve Albini mm. um, in sometime in the '90s, and their plan was to just like I mean they had like a weekend off, and they were like, hey, let's re-record our old album. Let's re-record in color. We don't like we don't we never really liked the way that album came out. It like it's mixed all weird. It it's mixed like for radio. It's very mainstream. Let's redo it. And so they did one session with Steve Albini and they re-recorded the entire thing. They didn't get around to doing any overdubs or anything. So it's really raw. But man, like the there's a version, there's two versions of I Want You to Want Me that they re-recorded for this record. And it's just like one is balls out amazing rocks it's like it's the it's like sort of the er version of like what you want to hear from that song right and then they recorded like the slow this like the slow jam version of it with like a with piano that it's like the one that's like on the album that like eventually came out um but like it also includes an oh like a true like acker bilk like style oboe solo <laughs> on i want you to want me and it's really cool wow um and that like that one just exists in bootlegs. You can find it on the internet. Um, but yeah, never that never saw a proper release. Um, 
I don't know, the Constantines put out a whole EP of alternate takes uh, called Too Slow for Love, and I love the Constantines so much, and the and the take on uh, Young Lions on it is just ugh, so good. Um, Constantines are another one of those bands that, like, I, I wish more people were freaking out about. Right, right. Um, I'm glad that you brought up, uh, you, you brought up both remixes and you brought up the dismemberment plan. <laughs> um, they, the dismemberment plan put out a whole album of re- remixes called a people's history of the dismemberment plan. And there's one r- fan remix in particular, because th- it was like, that was like the, the deal. Like they just put up the stems on their website and we're like, Hey guys, have fun. <laughs> and they just, they, they, you know, they called the best stuff that they got back. And one of them was a remix of the city. That's just like, it's so goddamn good. And they like, whoever remixed it, added like a whole new like trumpet solo wow it's it's incredible um yeah that's a lot of fun nice and finally um i gotta stay on brand and bring up my girl carly ray jepson (laughs) um uh because so uh uh the curiosity ep that she put out before her um before her full-length kiss came out um the version of curiosity um on the the original ep is just way, way, way better, miles better than the the the, the LP version. It's just it, the LP version is busy. It's it it's it, there's all the like it's it's kind of got this like maximalist production that just has not aged well. It sounds like it sounds like top two hundred radio in nineteen ninety, and it's right. just not flattering of the song at all. And like the Curiosity EP is much more restrained and it's it, it's aged a lot better so yeah that's uh that was my short list um nice. yeah just one, one thing you mentioned on there stuff. which i i um something i wanted to include but i couldn't because i've never been able to find this again mm-hmm. um so you were mentioning um stripping away you know uh, elements like like there's yeah. a song buried under fuzz and distortion etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um the magnetic fields put out an album called distortion years ago and it was like <laughs> they're basically like jesus and mary chain album like it was all fuzz all distortion <laughs> and i remember because Stephen merritt actually has like a hearing problem where he can't be around loud noises like if you ever see huh. Stephen merritt performing live whenever the audience starts to clap he plugs his ears because oh, wow. yeah. he, it just hurts his ears. He, that, that's also why he plays such um, quaint instruments like ukuleles and things like that. He yeah. likes the simple light noises for his hearing. And so distortion, he can't really play that stuff live. It's just not, mm-hmm. it's not physically possible for him. So when he was promoting that album, I heard him, he was on NPR. I want to say it was Studio 360 with Kurt Anderson, but it could have been something else. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was on NPR and he was playing songs off of Distortion, but just in studio with like a ukulele by himself. Oh, wow. And so they're stripped all the way down and they were gorgeous. I'm not saying I don't like Distortion, but hearing the root, hearing the Stephen Merritt root was really special. And, That's um, amazing. I've never been able to find it again. I've, I've searched. And um, hmm. yeah, anyway, that's so I couldn't include it on a list. <laughs> yeah. Somebody out there knows where that is. Right. Uh, yeah. We need to find that person. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I want to hear this now. <laughs> the, the, the day is coming to a close. We're going to have to wrap up. So last thing, I got to pop something up on the employee recommendation shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we've been talking about bootlegs and alternate versions and stuff, I'm going to pop up my favorite thing right now. I keep listening to it again and again. 
uh, it's this brand new band called The Smile, and they did this uh, live show for Glastonbury called Live at Worthy Farm, 522-2021. I'm laughing because this is calling it a brand new band. (laughs) This is Tom York, correct? This is Tom York and and it's Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, but they have a new drummer, uh, this guy named Tom Skinner, who's like more of like a jazz drummer. Cool. And so um, Tom's playing bass, uh, Johnny's on guitar and whatever else. um, And uh, Nigel Godrich is there, like helping, you know, doing the technical stuff as he always is. (laughs) Just adding vibes. Just vibing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, this was for the 2021 Glastonbury Festival. They streamed it. And um, it was was just a surprise. It was just like, oh, hey, by the way, we've got a new band. Oh, by the way, we're playing a set. Oh, by the way, the set's going to be all new music. So it was just (laughs) layer upon layer of fantasticness. It's all very Radiohead and also very not Radiohead. You know, it's got some mm-hmm. some like post-punky vibes to it. Um, oh, man. And yeah. um, it's just great. I keep listening to it. Um, now, 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 Tara's not here, so she's never have anything to put on the wall. So, Mike, in her stead, will you please put something on the employee recommendation shelf? Yeah, it's the same. I, I, this is an album I have been wearing out. Um, I just pre-ordered because she's doing a repress of this and i'm very excited to have it on vinyl on pink vinyl as it turns out um waiting for it to get here but uh yeah uh emma ruth rundle in 2018 put out an album called on dark horses and Man, I've been playing this thing out lately. It's one of my it's one of the, my favorite things I've ever heard. Wow. She's like Emma Ruth Rundle is it, it, similar to uh, she's collaborated with Chelsea Wolfe so that kind of okay. tells you a little bit of like wh- where she sits. Kind of singer-songwriter, kind of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um she recently uh like last year put out a couple like uh, an LP and an EP with the, where she was collabing with the band Vow. So that was a full-on metal, you know, those are full-on metal albums. Um, but man, she's got a gorgeous voice and these, like, great, like, just kind of really atmospheric and mysterious-sounding uh, guitar-driven, uh, drum-driven songs. They're just, man, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, i looking forward to her touring again. And looking forward to her putting out more music because, yeah, Emma Ruth Rundle rules. Wow. Sounds great. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, extra thanks to you for coming in here today, Mike. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Big thanks to everyone else here in the record store. I appreciate you all as well. Um, So thanks for coming in, everyone. But the store is officially closed. Happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Mm. 
You've been planning this for months. Hope you're wearing your long johns today, hunters. Gonna be nippy out there. The big day is finally here. Welcome to opening day here at Sportsman's Warehouse. This is your big shot to gear up for unforgettable at the Sportsman's Warehouse Grand Opening. Thursday through Sunday, October 14th through the 16th off Summit Park Drive near Walmart. Or visit us at sportsmans.com. The NFL created Crucial Catch because early cancer detection can save lives. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, some cancer screenings declined by 90%. Now, doctors are diagnosing later stage cancers, which could have been detected sooner. Don't wait. Remind a loved one and talk to your doctor about getting screened. It takes all of us to intercept cancer. Visit nfl.com slash crucial catch to learn more. Hey guys, I'm Sammy J, and we're back with season three of my podcast, Let's Be Real with Sammy J. As part of Gen Z, I love that my generation is inspiring change, and I'm so excited to talk to more celebrities, activists, athletes, and influencers to find out what they're passionate about, how they're changing the world, or helping others feel less alone. Season three is going to be exciting, revealing, and empowering. Listen to Let's Be Real with Sammy J on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.